You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Hey, Laura. Hey, Lindsay. We just love when our listeners write into us. And we recently got an email from a listener that completely shocked us that I think we should share with everybody. I think we have to. I think that this email needs to be shared with the world because there is no way that that many people could possibly know about this. And I do want to preface that this info hasn't been fully confirmed. So let's note that this is all alleged, but Laura, do you want to share what this email we received is about? I absolutely can. So essentially we know that Pleasant Roland is a fixture of Wisconsin, specifically Madison, Wisconsin. That's where a lot of the American Girl HQ stuff was based. And this listener is from Wisconsin and reached out to tell us about a little story that involves Pleasant. So we've heard anecdotally, and you can also read more about her, but Pleasant's apparently a big supporter of the art scene in Wisconsin. And Pleasant ended up donating a world-class pipe organ, which, okay, cool. She donated this to the Madison Symphony. And this listener says that they have seen Pleasant actually at the symphony in her box, which like, of course, she has a box, and admired her from afar. Now, this was thrilling to hear and also relieved to hear because we don't really like touchdown on Pleasant IRL very much. And so, you know, we hope she's doing well, but we just don't know because she's extremely private. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a few of our past guests share stories about meeting Pleasant, but I'd say she's up there as one of the more elusive celebs, perhaps on par with meeting Mary Kate and Ashley. Greta Garbo. Mm. I feel like Pleasant Roland is like in the Illuminati. Like she's so elusive. There are some celebrities that are just everywhere. Like everyone has a story about meeting them or seeing them on the street, especially in New York or LA. But Pleasant is a very, a very rare encounter. Absolutely. Well, So the plot thickens. In addition to just being able to spot Pleasant, this listener tells us that the most interesting thing about this organ that Pleasant donated is she didn't just donate any old organ, Lindsay. This organ has an American Girl twist. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, if you push a button on the organ console, it'll play the American Girl theme song from American Girl's Review. And a doll will pop out of the pipes. But it's not just any doll, is it, Laura? (laughs) No, no. It was apparently a doll that was made to kind of look like Pleasant. The doll appeared to have short hair when her friend was showing this to her. 
and it was wearing a pantsuit. And to me, <laughs> in the limited info I have about Pleasant at my disposal, that sounds like a doll that was made to look like Pleasant. <laughs> oh my god, I love this so much. This is incredible storytelling. I am so happy that this listener wrote in to share this with us. Yes, and... Just to put a cap on the story, the doll can rise out of the organ like with this push of a button, but it's not really done intentionally. However, um, one time during a performance that Pleasant was attending, the doll was unintentionally released from the pipes. (laughs) I just think that that is so funny that like they were trying not deliberately not to like have the doll come out. But also imagine being pleasant sitting there and like you see the doll version of you popping out of an organ. That is just too good. I know. And it's funny because pleasant seems like so under the radar, but I will say that the concept of like donating a pipe organ to a completely unrelated to American Girl thing and there's a doll that pops out that looks like you (laughs) and it plays the American Girl review theme song is like interestingly like self-indulgent oh my god but in a way that i love right why a pipe organ i don't know because when i think of a symphony that's one of the last things i think of maybe like it is also probably one of the most expensive because i think Mm. it needs to be like installed it's almost like furniture yeah so that could be why i just want to know the conversation right around how it happened (laughs) seriously and looking into this organ it was commissioned by the madison symphony orchestra in 2001 and took three years to build and it was designed by a german company and has over 4,000 pipes it is 32 feet tall weighs 174 tons which makes it believed to be the heaviest movable object in any theater in the world. So this is a truly remarkable instrument. And if anyone else has any stories from around Wisconsin or has had any pleasant encounters, please let us know. We love to hear stories like this. Yes, we want to hear all about your interactions and encounters of the pleasant kind. (laughs) (laughs) The most pleasant interactions. And... Speaking of pleasant interactions, Laura, we have quite the delightful episode replaying today. Yes, this is the first episode that we ever had two sisters on. And some of you maybe caught our recent episode with Lindsay's future sister-in-law, Katie, and her sister, Jennifer. And they were the second set of sisters we had on. But back in May of last year, we had my college roommate and her sister on to talk about A lot about it had to do with the American Girl fashion show, but they remembered so much besides that about just how they were interacting with each other. And it's also just a great look at, you know, kind of how a sister relationship evolves over the years. And they're very silly. And I think that people will have fun with this one. Lucy and Amalia had such a fun dynamic and I remember recording this episode and I think we recorded it on a weekend together and the time just flew by. Like I could have just sat and listened to the two of them speak for hours. 
and truly right I think they were also the first guests that we had on that were a part of an American Girl fashion show that was really fun to hear about and we won't spoil anything but the roles that they played in the fashion show were just uh too good (laughs) so on point they were so much fun and yeah I could listen to them talk for hours and we did talk to them for hours. <laughs> what you're going to hear is just a fraction of the things we talked about. So really hope that everybody enjoys hearing from Lucy and Amalia, our first ever sister duo guests and American Girl fashion show models. Enjoy. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Amalia and Lucy Vavala our first sister guests. Amalia and Lucy grew up near Wilmington, Delaware, and had an upbringing that emphasized creativity and education from a young age that intersected with their Catholic school days. Some prospective career options for Amalia included chef, journalist, singer, rock climber, and professional altar server, while Lucy gravitated toward performing arts, wanting to be a pop star. During their youth at the peak of their AG obsession, Both sisters had the distinct honor of walking in an American Girl fashion show. Today, the Vavilas can be found in Washington Heights in New York City, where Amalia works for a nonprofit while enjoying many side interests such as painting and making music. Check out her album on Spotify, The Last Man to Paint. And Lucy is following her passion working toward her esthetician license while working in the bridal industry. With such unique and distinctive backgrounds and interests, it's no wonder AG had an impact on these sisters, but let's hear it from them. Amalia and Lucy, welcome to AGW. Thank you. We are so excited. I am so thrilled to get to talk uh, about American Girl, especially with my sister. Growing up, it was very important in our house, so I'm very excited to talk about it with you guys. Yes, super, super excited. Thank you for having us. Well, we're so excited to have you guys, especially because you are two of the most iconic sister duos (laughs) in my life. So I felt like it was really important that if we were going to have some siblings on the pod, that you guys be the first to have that title. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) I love that. All right. Before we get into all things American Girl, What were you both like growing up? I'll go first because I was the oldest. I am the older of the two of us. Um, (laughs) I was pretentious and very high strung um, and very artistic, but in a very inaccessible way to my peers, I would say. Um, I grew up in a way that I would describe as being very endearing to adults and not to other children. I had a lot of like weird niche interests. I could recite all of the presidents at like age five in order. I used the correct Dutch pronunciation of Vincent van Gogh's last name, which is Vincent van Gogh, which is not endearing, (laughs) as I said, to seven-year-olds, because that's when I was saying it. So I had a little bit of a turbulent time with the other kids. And then I went to a performing arts middle school and then became kind of like a different kind of annoying which was a lot healthier for me, but also deeply annoying um, because that was more of like talking with my friends about who was going to be Marine and whose version of Rent that would never go on. Like trying to figure out who was going to be who, which cheetah girl was also a big topic of conversation. So yeah, growing up, I'd say varied interests. I think I have always been this person. It's a lot more accessible in a 
in an adult form now that I can you know talk about my interests than being a child with those same exact (laughs) where where do you think you learn that from or like develop that personality um I think a little bit of it is just straight out of the womb like this and then definitely a lot of it was fostered by our dad who is very similarly eccentric and like always learning new things and he was obviously the one teaching me all of the presidents in order. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked learning new things, um, which I still do. I really like learning new skills, learning trivia, that kind of thing. And so I think my dad and I really got along well and where he also loves those things. But as a child, you don't really have that filter of like, this is an appropriate audience for this information. <laughs> Fair. Um, he did, I guess. I, I didn't have that filter. <laughs> I Dad. didn't have that filter of knowing like these kids don't care about this um and it's not endearing to correct your second grade teacher about which roosevelt she's talking about like that's not you're gonna look like a bitch like oh my god actually did you mean teddy or franklin roosevelt (laughs) like they're not going to care Amalia, Amalia, one of the things that we've like brushed up against when talking to people on this podcast is because like Lindsay and I feel like we have discovered that we were very similar to each other as children and that and obviously we didn't know each other. But like we always say, like, I think we would have been friends as kids if we grow up together. I love you so much and you are one of my dearest friends and I am like literally in love with you as an adult and as one of my longest and dearest friends. I don't think we would have been friends as kids. (laughs) That's fair because you have that in common with 80% of the people I came across as a child. (laughs) (laughs) and I were not friends. Lucy and I hated each other, but I will let her, I'll let her describe herself as a child. Yes, Lucy, let's hear about you because I, I, I think that you and I actually would have been friends as children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so whereas Amalia was very inaccessible, I liked that you said that, <laughs> I was the complete opposite. So I would have lists that I created of how I felt about each of my friends. Like I would rank them because I was that bitch. Yeah, so I played a nice social game growing up. I would say um, friends with everybody. I definitely was insufferable in the way that like, I cared a lot about what people thought of me. And so I would attach certain things of their personalities to my own. And that's why Amalia and I did not get along because she has always been herself. It took me like a little bit to grow into my identity. But yeah, as a kid, I, let's see, I did sports growing up for a while until I switched into theater. Um, I, yeah, everyone liked me. (laughs) I need to interject because when she said I did sports and theater to be clear I did sports and theater then she did them after me and better than me yeah (laughs) swimming we were always at the pool I got the rookie of the year award when I was six years old I was great I was a really good swimmer and my specialty was butterfly Mm -hmm. which is not a stroke many children really like do it's a very difficult stroke unless you're seven and you're like amazing at it like me oh hold on okay so I did that and I was like feeling pretty good about myself Lucy shows up and is accidentally like a Delaware state prodigy at this at butterfly and I was like well I guess I'm not swimming anymore and Lucy started doing it year round she was year round swimming yeah then I got really into theater at my performing arts school and I was like you know doing little monologues and stuff and like writing like one act plays Lucy showed up better actor better singer than me by far just I'd say you're the better actor (laughs) definitely the better singer but that 
took precedence when you're little because no one can act. No one can. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> actors are not really, that, that's not what you're learning. No. Um, yeah. So that was a big chip on my shoulder growing up as well as that Lucy had more friends and then also many of my interests, but was better at them. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> is think, so funny. I think you guys are touching on something I would love to dive into really quick, which is sort of like your family dynamic because you have, you know, talked about your dad and how important he was to sort of encouraging this very like niche and eccentric interest that you guys had. Um, but also like, I want to talk a little bit about like birth order and where you guys fall into the sibling hierarchy and, you know, how that played a role in the greater family dynamic, because I I've obviously heard so many stories about you guys growing up. And I just think it's so funny, like how your individual personalities like really shined through within the family dynamic as well. I'll, I'll paint like a full family vignette for you. You have my dad, who's like very eccentric, as we said, used to read us the classics, like you used to play uh, Guess That Classical Music with us, we played vocabulary (laughs) games, like really like, yeah, I was writing short stories with like really complex vocabulary, very young, which is cool now, like I said, kind of weird as a kid, but fun. And my dad is always into like games, traditions, those kinds of things. My mom was and is a Catholic school teacher and is a saint and everyone loves her. She's incredibly like popular and gregarious, just like makes friends wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, She's kind of a bad bitch. That's true. She is kind of a bad bitch. And it's just like everyone's favorite teacher. She's great. And we love her. She also had like a cool, like rock and roll past that Uh. we unearthed where she used to like follow a local band around and like she one time like camped out to see Bruce Springsteen in a lawn chair like all of these cool things then we have our older sister Victoria who is just like a calm angel she just like came straight from the womb just being like hello I'm here now I'm the sweetest person that any of you will ever meet um just like kind and good and simple and she still is, she's just like, just takes care of us, Yeah, takes care of everyone. She used to care for our grandmother before she died. Like it was like her like part-time caretaker, like just mother wow. Teresa. She's, she's amazing. And she's super smart. And growing up, both of us, I think were a little, felt a little intimidated by Victoria. Like mm-hmm. she's done, she did well in school, but not even just did well in school and got good grades, but when you speak to her, you can tell she's incredibly smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, we both love her, love her so much. She's, she's wonderful. Then there's me, I'm the middle child. And that's everything that you think a middle child could be. That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, was always like, that's not fair. Or actually, I would love if we could maybe focus on me now. What about me? I'm not getting enough attention. I can do that better than so-and-so. Mm-hmm. That was me. And then Lucy was the youngest child and was a real bitch. Yeah. <laughs> a very, very cute bitch. Okay, that's how I true. got away with a lot of things. That's true. She grew up the cutest little baby that you you've ever seen like the little roundest head 
this this was it. I, my I know that you can't see this. <laughs> my head is so round, and I just don't believe it has like changed any size. <laughs> oh my god, you guys so were cute. all so cute though as kids. Like I literally like beg to see photos of you guys as kids on a regular basis because you are so so cute. Okay, but that is approach my mom in stores and say, "Has your child like would you consider letting your child model?" Like. <laughs> That's what I'm talking Like, Lucy was, like, a picture-perfect little baby and a cute toddler. And that went all to my little round head. I was just going to say wow. that could be good for her, for her ego. <laughs> right? Well, we will definitely post some pics on the AGW <laughs> Instagram. So everyone listening to this, head over to our IG to see how cute they all were. oh my god seriously seriously all right well I feel like we've gotten a really good well-rounded view of how you guys were growing up so (laughs) I feel like we can get into our first AG question which is what are your earliest memories with American Girl and how were you first introduced to that cultural phenomenon I'll let you start because I was introduced kind of through you and Victoria sure I don't know the first time I heard of American Girl Dolls, but I did know of them enough by age like five or six to ask for them. And my parents had instilled a rule that we could only get an American Girl Doll when we could read all of the books. Like this was a Mm. prerequisite for having the dolls is that we were expected to then read all the books and do all of the informational aspects of American Girl Doll to like make it a learning experience Mm -hmm. um yep and so that I got my American Girl Doll I think the Christmas I was six and I got Josefina and since that like after that point was devoted to her and American Girl Dolls but I definitely knew about them beforehand because I knew it was a sticking point that I was like other girls already have a Amer- their American Girl dolls. Some of them have more than one, and I don't have one, and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess I was introduced through Amalia and Victoria. I did not have the same stipulation of needing to read the books. I have not read a single book of the American <laughs> Girl I don't know anything about it. But <laughs> I, so I got Samantha, and I remember being so ungrateful. Because I was like, why the hell do I have Samantha? I have nothing in common with her. She's not cute. I wanted Kit. She was adorable, you know? And so now looking back, I really see that that was a personality pick for me to receive Samantha. Um, We were one in the same growing up. But yeah, you can kind of see that disconnect where it was just like, oh, your sisters have these dolls. Here's yours. And then I kind of got into it. But I think at my age, they were starting more of the like lookalike dolls and Mm -hmm. moving into that from the historical era. And so I was really like trying to be like my peers who would get their cute lookalike dolls. I had to finish the books before I could even play with her. I could not brush a strand on her glossy little head Mm -mm. until I'd finished her (laughs) whole saga. Wow. And how did you, how did you choose Josefina or was she chosen for you? Okay, this is actually super interesting because it was a little bit of both, but I was influenced by a very unique part of our family background, which is that we are, and I didn't know this for a while, Mexican. Um, (laughs) The reason I didn't know this 
was because growing up, our mom always said that she was Spanish, like from Spain. This is apparently what her dad, our Mexican grandfather, told her. Eventually in high school, I was kind of like, what part of Spain are we from? And she was like, well, they came over from Spain in like the 1500s and like settled in the Yucatan Peninsula. And then I don't know, your grandfather was born in Tucson. And I was like, so they sailed around the entirety of South America and then just wound up in Tucson in a course of 500 years. Like where, what, what is happening there? And we did some more digging and it turned out, no, definitely, definitely like, Perhaps that was the original one of our ancestors, but you look at my grandfather and he looks deeply indigenous. Like all of my mom's family, basically other than her, looks like really strongly Mexican. Um, My mom just has lighter skin and so is really white passing, but she is half Mexican. So the reason I got Josefina was I think I wanted, I think I wanted Molly because our names were similar, but my mom in a brief glimmer of remembering that she was Mexican, like was like, well, you know, your grandfather would love this. And was like really trying to push like this cultural aspect of like the Southwest and the Pueblos. Can I jump in for a second? Mm-hmm. And Amalia is also named after mm. my grandfather's favorite sister, Amalia. So there was like, she's always had that tie to the Mexican culture that we just didn't know. Um, And I think that influenced their choice of Josefina. Yes, it was absolutely very um, inconsistently addressed, this like cultural background. But eventually, I think wanting to be connected to my namesake and my mom seemed really enthusiastic about me having Josefina, who I assume I'm I'm thinking timeline wise was recently introduced. Yes, Um, she was introduced when we were probably like, right around the time like six or five right yeah so she was new and I think my mom Mm -hmm. was really excited about like a Latina doll um I'm sorry a Hispanic doll because we were only told that we were Hispanic growing up not (laughs) Latina just like a whole whatever a whole thing so I got Josefina kind like kind of coerced but also I was like pretty excited about her by the time I did get her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like I said I got Samantha I did not pick her and now I am so happy that I have her. I think that um, <laughs> our personalities are very similar, at least when I was little. But it definitely was my parents kind of choosing which one they thought would fit us the best, I guess. Here's why they gave you Samantha. Ooh, I'm almost certain. I don't know. I think they knew you would not have wanted a blonde doll past a certain point. Oh, I think you wanted a cute blonde doll. But I think they knew because you were so... Lucy's the only one of our sisters with brown eyes victoria and i both have blue eyes i think they knew that you would want a dark haired dark eyed doll and not a blonde haired blue eyed doll eventually like eventually interesting i really think that and i think you would have because then like you said you got really into the dolls who like looked like you mm-hmm. and and i think you warmed up to having samantha who looked like you but was also historical that's true that's true huh my theory that's that's definitely interesting and I love that you have that like background information to share with Lucy (laughs) do you do you recall anything about Victoria and her doll she had Felicity was it she did yes she just loved we loved colonial Colonial. history Mm -hmm. Victoria and I especially 
Um, our parents took us to Colonial Williamsburg. My mom. We had the outfits that my mom made. There's the cutest picture of us that we're all just like in little bonnets. And the um, we each had our different colors. So like I was in a pink dress. Victoria was blue. Was yours purple? Mine was white, but was like striped with a mauve. Kind Great. Of. That checks out. So we had our, you know, our colors growing up. Mine was pink. Stop Victoria, it. Mine that is incredible. Yeah. Um, but actually I, I'm remembering the reason she made them is because she couldn't, we couldn't afford to buy Felicity's outfits that went with the, like the, the girl sized versions of Felicity's outfits. But we, I mean, who could, who oh could They're so expensive. <laughs> yeah. We talk about that all the time. It's like a rare person that we meet who had had the girl size outfits. And so my mom who's a very good seamstress had like three daughters who were like, we want the cute colonial dresses. And was like, absolutely <laughs> not. And got, uh, got some like cotton and like calico from Joanne fabrics and made us a cute little outfit. And then we went uh, to Williamsburg and bought the mob caps is what they're called. Oh, I'm sorry. The mob, they're mob caps. And then we like, walked <laughs> around colonial Williamsburg in our cute little outfits. So colonial history was a big thing that we were all really interested in, but especially Victoria and mm-hmm. I. Um, and so it was just natural that she would get the like bookish colonial girl. Um, like that just, it fit perfectly. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so adorable. Please tell me you have pics of that to share. Oh, yes. definitely. Yes. Do you ever see on TikTok? Like, I, I feel like I've seen like a couple families do this with a trio of sisters, like dress up like the Skylar sisters. Oh my God. Yes. That's so yeah. cute. You guys, you guys would have been perfect for that. Right. Well, <laughs> we got engaged outside of the Hamilton theater and the way we managed to get this to happen. So her, she and her fiance, that was his first Broadway show ever. She took him to see Hamilton and he like, wow. So it was it's very only going downhill from there. <laughs> it was very meaningful for them to see it together. And so he wanted to propose on a date in New York so we could be there um and then outside the theater and so we sort of took them past and we posed as the three sisters as like a first Uh, photo and then we were like you guys should be Hamilton and Eliza like we'll just take a picture and then while they're holding standing there like Hamilton and Eliza he proposed which is very cute but as a result we have a photo immediately prior to her getting engaged of the three of us as the Schuyler sisters so um I'm Angelica because I'm bossy and a know-it-all mm-hmm. victoria is eliza like because she's an angel and lucy is peggy um because she's also <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> she's like hello <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> oh my god that is incredible what a story yeah so how how were you all like playing with your dolls or interacting with each other with your ags what was that like did you ever play together with your doll with Victoria? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't. I had a very individualistic experience, maybe because I rejected Samantha for so long. But <laughs> I would dress her up and I would brush her hair and I would sit her in her nice little chair because, you know, she was so beautiful and like very. What era was that? Was that Victorian before I say this? Yeah, like Edwardian, maybe. Yes. Sure. sure yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was Edwardian. Great beautiful to like look at and I wanted her to sit there but I never really interacted with her with other dolls or with the two of you she's what she's like 1907 or something 1904 okay so she's early early 20th century the pre-war period yes the golden Um, days (laughs) (laughs) yeah I Victoria and I definitely played with our dolls together 
despite them living in different centuries that didn't really super bother us historically although I do think that we understood enough about the historical context that that we, we did always kind of address it like we were never playing a story that didn't take place that took place in one context or the other you know either New Mexico or you know the colonies it was kind of like out of time and space like we'd have to accommodate around the idea that they did not exist in the same time and space to be like well, right like, time traveler like <laughs> fantasy school like you know like it was it was right. like we know don't worry don't worry guys we know that they didn't live at the same time and place wow yeah you guys are getting kind of outlander-ish with it <laughs> <laughs> right I feel yeah. like how great would it be for them to make another AG movie with like all the dolls coming together like without any any backstory or context just living in the same period like what marvel can't do (laughs) right (laughs) avengers we want to see ruby were you like you know what i need from like the dolls with like their historical context is you know how like on like cooking shows say like a stanley tucci searching for italy or something like that he goes to like every region and like they tell him about like their cuisine and their like (laughs) culture whatever i need someone to go into like the ag universe and visit each of the doll worlds and then have in this scenario, the doll is a real person who can articulate like the customs of their time. Okay, and- so right. <laughs> books. The book I was thinking of was called Josefina's New Mexico, I think. And so it was a look at the culture and the time and place of New Mexico in the 1800s. And so that's how I learned about Pueblos. That's how I learned about haciendas, which like to this day, I want an hacienda so badly. I want like that, like the the ranch house around a centralized courtyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I learned about the, I still to this day, for some reason, remember in order to reject a marriage proposal, the woman would send back a squash. The, the, I forget what was in the marriage proposal basket, huh. but it was like an offering. And it would be like, like, do you want to get married, etc. And obviously there were other external conversations happening with your families, but in order to formally reject it, the woman would send back a squash. I oh, interesting. That. Do you know what she would send if she approved? I can't remember, but it was something flower or like fruit. Like it, it was very much like something that you would be growing in your hacienda or on your farm. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, and like the, I learned about cooking. Um, I learned about like specific flatbreads. So I loved those books and I, there, I can still remember a spread that was a look inside a Pueblo and it was like, like a cross section almost so you could see the whole structure and then the front had been taken off so you could see what people were doing in each room so you know mm-hmm. like so in the kitchen in the main kitchen area in the bedroom so you understood all of the function of all of the different rooms that was my favorite part legitimately of like more than the stories I loved that book I would read it all of the time I loved the illustrations I loved learning about the culture. I loved that book. Oh, that that sounds so so beautiful. I love how deep AG goes, like outside of like the historical books, like there are so many other ways to learn more and interact with uh, the doll that you're most interested in, like craft books. Um, And then this book, I had not even heard of this, like part of the series. So that's super interesting. I I think that my parents 
ploy to get us really interested in the history was successful because ultimately that is the part that I took the most out of American Girl was like this deep, deep love of New Mexico and Haciendas and like the entire her her way of life the like traditional Mexican dress Mm -hmm. all of that I loved it was this book by chance maybe called peek into the past maybe because I feel like I had a book for Samantha called like peek into the past that was sort of like a look at like a basically like day in the life type Mm -hmm. of stuff um but I would love to find this book and like get my hands on it because I also had Josefina as well as Samantha truly really makes sense about why I connect with both of you guys on such a close <laughs> level. But I would love to get my hands on this book because it sounds so sweet and beautiful. Just Josefina's a- world. It's called oh. Josefina's world. Okay. I had this for Samantha for sure. Growing up on America's Southwest frontier, Josefina's World, 1824. I remember this and you loved it. Yep. I loved it. Okay. I definitely had this for Samantha. The one that I had for Samantha, though, was like literally four feet tall <laughs> and, and had like backdrops in it that you could use as her, you could put like her furniture in it and you can like sit her mm-hmm. in the scenes oh, or whatever. That's so, so cool. So this is like a little bit different than what I was expecting, but I'm definitely going to see if I can track this down. Sounds yes, so you good. can. This is dollars and 68 cents on a books, just so you know. <laughs> a um, bargain, a true bargain. Yeah, it, it reminded me of, which I also was obsessed with growing up. I don't know if you ever saw those little pamphlets that's like what something would cost in 1930 something. Mm-hmm. And it would show like mm-hmm. all, all, like it was like a little snapshot of a different time. And like, here's how much a carton of eggs would cost here. How much a gallon of gas. I loved those. Me too. And so that's kind of what this book was like, but on like a really in-depth scale. Mm. Right. That's so interesting. I love um, that. Okay, so you guys talked about dressing in colonial garb to sort of go along with Felicity's aesthetic, but did you guys have any other outfits like for your dolls that you would consider to be like their best outfits? I like to keep Samantha in her traditional fit of Mm. the dress that she came in Mm -hmm. because I was just like, this is quintessential Samantha. I have no notes. It was perfect. And like, (laughs) <laughs> I like to get other clothes, but none of them kind of did what the her original dress the did. The little plaid. Yes. And her cute little like bow tie right here. I, mm, I, yep. I loved it. Um, it's a good look. So I, I would like go over my friends' houses and they would have like, oh, here's a ski outfit for like my other doll that looks like me. And I'm like, I don't want a ski outfit. Like, please don't hand that to me. I have Samantha. <laughs> I will say I hated when people I love dressed, that. I hated when people dress their historical dolls in the modern clothes. It's ridiculous. I would be like, that's not what we're doing here. That's not what this is about. Yeah. We are we- here. To think about a deeply historical mm-hmm. situation. This is a nonfiction project and you have just introduced fantasy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh yes. my God, I am so I'm so happy you said that. I feel the exact same way. And it's interesting to hear like which of our guests also feel that way and also the ones that do not. <laughs> that is amazing. 
I was horrified. I'd be like, what are we even doing here? This whole, this whole thing collapses. Like, what's the point of having an American girl doll if you're just going to dress her like another doll? Like, that's Thank you. Thank you. That's Thank disgusting. You. Right? <laughs> All right, though, because I would say personally, Samantha's little plaid dress, Ugh. I, even I who didn't really like Samantha because for some reason, and this is a continuing cultural belief that Samantha's a bitch. She is a bitch. What is that based in? <laughs> is, there, is, that, is that true? I, I don't I think Samantha looks, but is it true? I don't know. I didn't no, know. I think, I think Samantha is pretty humble. I think she's just very privileged and gets okay, a bad okay. reputation okay. from that. I think <laughs> she was she's just very bougie. Wealthy. Yeah. Like, Rand Mary, like we call our British we called our British grandmother Grandmummy because that, my mom. <laughs> oh you know, my god, cute! We were Spanish thing. She was like, "I am British," because that was the part they knew about. My my grandmother was born in London. Yes. So when I heard that this bitch called her grandmother Grandmary, it was her grandmother, right? Yeah. Yep. She called her Grandmary. I was like, fantastic, absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> I find absolutely. it so creative on the author's part. Like, how did they come up with Grandmary? <laughs> Iconic. I think it's, I think it is like an adaptation of grandmère in like, right? Like, what the fuck is grandmère? Okay, Laura took French. So <laughs> it's it's, it's French for grandmother, grandmother, but I'm like, but I thought it was because the grandmother's name was Mary. I thought. I thought so too, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I assumed. Do we ever find out her real name? I don't know if anybody like out in the universe is listening to this episode and knows the answer to this, please feel free to email us or DM us on Instagram. <laughs> I know. But Laura, I let's thought... do, let's do a poll on our Insta stories. Yes. When this airs. <laughs> yes, we have to, but we need to know what Grammary's real name is because I just thought, you know, I just thought like I would be like grand Laura. Ah! <laughs> Right. <laughs> or Grand Lindsay. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I, I used to think like, I remember thinking like 10 years ago, I'm like, when I have kids, I really want them to call me Momsy, like taking the S-E-Y of my name and attaching it to mom. <laughs> I, I love, love that. that. You should. Imagine, I don't know what that, that would look like as a grand grandmother. Grand Z. Oh my God. Grand Momsy. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my God. Well, so Amalia, what about your outfit situation? Because I know that Josefina has some iconic fits that I personally coveted. All of Josefina's fits are absolute fire. The the number one that I love to this day and like kind of makes me emotional is her Christmas outfit with her the mantilla. Uh, so I gorgeous. Love that black lace mantilla. Like I used to, I never had the version for an adult, but I still would take her little tiny one and like sometimes like put it in my hair just, uh. to, like, just to like see because like I loved it. I like the drama of a black lace veil is just like unparalleled. Yeah. That um, outfit was stunning. Can I... I- Can I just say that I coveted that outfit, so I would have been so jealous of you growing up, but my mom did, like, a very, like, DIY version of it for me, where she took one of her, like, black lace scarves that she had and attached it to, like, a claw clip, and we put that in Josefina's hair (laughs) as the mantilla. But that just unlocked, I used to do that, too, with the claw clip and and a scarf for my own hair. I didn't have the black lace, but, like, I could at least have, like, the, the veil situation. I loved it. I loved her mantilla. I loved her 
everyday outfit too, because I, I don't know. I, I still find Mexican dress so beautiful, like mm-hmm. traditionally, like her like beautiful, soft little camisa that she like tucks into her skirt. It's like, so cute. I just think that, I, I don't know. I think there's such care and deliberateness in Mexican, like traditional Mexican dress in general. But I just loved that Josefina's day-to-day outfit was many different pieces. I love, like, and instead of just like one dress that you could put on, I loved that there was like a process of dressing her up, of, you know, putting on the camisa, putting on the skirt. She had like that little wrap, which I forget what it's called. Um, She had like the waist, like something that she like cinched. She had like, I think she had a little purse too. Yes. Um, Yeah. And, and so I loved like that it was a whole ritual of dressing her mm-hmm. up. And I think that's still something that I love when dressing myself up and thinking about what I loved doing with her was just, yeah, like it was so intentional. And so there were so many different textures and colors. And I also liked that she could go about her day-to-day life. It was one of the, I think, the truly like casual everyday outfits of the American girls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um even though it was you know so elaborate it was like right. I could see her going down to get water from the river which is Ugh. was part of meet Josefina that I love and her little gold hoops that she her little gold hoops I can't <laughs> and I huge <laughs> selling huge selling point for me huge. was the little oh gold hoops. yeah no so I just loved it I I love her everyday outfit mm-hmm. I love her mantilla yeah. Yeah. Were you, you said that you wouldn't dare to dream to put one of your historic girls in an outfit of today, but were you mixing between the different historical girls in your family's collection? Occasionally, I because I did love <laughs> dresses. I, yes. Never with Samantha. I did not care. Samantha could have not existed to me and that it would have been exactly the same. Like, I don't know <laughs> what it was. Um, but with Felicity, I loved her Christmas dress, that blue dress. Mm-hmm. I loved that one. And then her purple dress as well, which I believe you guys have talked about before on this podcast. Like yes. her yes. purple floral dress. Yeah. I loved both of those. So sometimes Josefina would go in one, but it was very much like this is a costume. Like it was right. as costumey for her to put it on as it would have been for me to have worn it. Of being like, like, well, we all know this is what I'm supposed to be wearing. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. I love that. This kind of leads into our next question that we would love to hear from you both on is the catalog. And uh, I feel like this is such like primary point of everyone's AG experience. So really looking forward to hearing from you both on this, but how are you receiving the catalog? Were you both like, or especially in a family with three girls, like, how are you even just like deciding who gets to see it first? Like, what yeah. was that like? <laughs> who saw it first? I got it first. You did? Okay. I got the mail a lot for some reason. You did. You that did. was like one of my little like chores that I did was like, if my dad was getting home late, I'd go out and get the mail. I don't know why. I think I just loved mail. It's very fun. I still love mail, honestly. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> for me? Yeah. So I think I got it first just by nature of having gotten to the mailbox first. Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria, who it doesn't have a competitive bone in her body, was just like, I'll read it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it was just me, Lucy, Victoria. But what did you did you have the love affair with the magazine that I did? Oh, okay. absolutely. I loved the catalog so much. I would go in and I would circle the items that I wanted our parents <laughs> I to buy for me. 
obviously um, none of that happened, but I would just like gently place it like on the kitchen table, just open to the pages that I really wanted. Um, And it was like a religious activity for me to go through this whole thing. I would sit down, take time out of my day, say, I'm going to look at the American Girl (laughs) catalog cover to cover. We combed that entire thing. Like a book. It it was a book. Yeah. it was more interesting to me than some of the books that I was reading. Was <laughs> right. Like, this is I'm interested in. I also loved the catalog. I loved getting to read about dolls I knew I'd never own mm-hmm. because they have little narratives next to all of the historical dolls and even some of, you know, the girls of today, but they all had those little yeah. stories to, you know, to sell them. Mm-hmm. And, right. But I loved them. I loved reading about them. And then the spread that always fascinated me, though, and I would pour over every single grid of this, was the dolls that looked like you. I forget oh what they're God. called right now. Yeah. Um, but every single iteration in, like, a beautiful spectrum of the rainbow, I was hyper fixated. Burned into my memory is the page where they would show you all of the different eye colors. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. God. Yes. Girl of Today was so satisfying to look at because you literally were just looking at, like, one grid, like you said, of just like this much and I'm like just showing my eyebrows to my chin basically (laughs) this much of a doll's face and like all the different combinations I feel like I was never tempted to get one though because I had Samantha and Josefina and they both kind of looked like me I wasn't as tempted to get one I just liked for me it was almost an imagination exercise Mm. of like looking at each of them and wondering what their like imagining what their stories could be Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was more like coming up with characters of what those dolls' personalities would be like. Like I could look at one of them and be like, "I don't like her. I don't know. I don't." I don't <laughs> like when like they have the same exact face, it's just different hair, and right? Eye combos. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember the day they introduced one of the girls of today without her teeth showing. What a huge cultural game changer that it was. was! It was it was huge and at different hair textures. I was obsessed with the curly haired dolls that they eventually yes. like that specifically, or like not even the curly, like the wavy whatever that was, like those glossy ringlets. Uh, right, obsessed with them. <laughs> they really started to get fun with it, like kind of like right as we were aging out of it but I feel like the girl of today was an opportunity for you to like basically create if you were so inclined to do like and some people aren't like you know some people are just gonna get a doll that looks like them and be like she does cheerleading because I do cheerleading and she does soccer because I do soccer or whatever like And that's totally fine. And that's one way to do it. But like, I feel like Girl of Today was also like an opportunity if you're really imaginative to create a world as like intricate and varied as there was for the historical dolls, except like you were basically the author of that universe. Right. Wow. That's absolutely, I think, what my interest in them was. I think a little bit of it was wish fulfillment of like, I always wanted red hair growing up. I feel like a lot of girls who grew up in the early 2000s were like really obsessed with having red hair we grew up with the parent trap oh my god yes oh yeah so the parent trap every time I put my hair sure. to this day I think that I'm Hallie I want to name my future daughter Hallie like that's that's iconic. I get it I, get it. <laughs> um, I love that so much <laughs> were you also into the girl of the years I think it started in 2001 not as much, only because I'd already gotten my historical doll at that time. I loved reading their stories, 
and I loved Julie conceptually oh, doesn't she have lesbian aunts I think like yeah. she was the San Francisco 70s one I think yes I think she might have had the introduction of the first like gay background characters mm-hmm. like citation needed there but I'm pretty right. sure so I really liked Julie as a concept but I was never really pulled in by any of the others I would say I always oh. was partial to Marisol I thought oh, she was oh, so cute yes yeah. yes we think- saw her IRL at the American Girl store in the flesh <laughs> I'd be starstruck I, think I, was like, I was like oh I want to be her you know so I attached myself to to that kind of look I thought she was so cute and Marisol like come on I, I do wanted love that, that name I do love that such name. an iconic yeah. name I feel like when they were tasked with naming some of these like newer characters it was very hit or miss like I feel like the Mm -hmm. historical dolls like flawless execution of names but with like the girl of the year like kind of hit or miss I feel like on some of them but Marisol definitely a hit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah loved her my god you guys have to go to the store because when Lindsay and I went they had all of these dolls like every girl of the year every historical doll like under glass like so that you could look at them in like pristine condition we were we were staring for a very long time at all of these dolls like yeah (laughs) okay well we'll have to go because I actually did uh, I found this out later Laura that we did the exact same thing separately without discussing it which was resubscribe to the American Girl Doll magazine <laughs> yes yes um, oh my god yes signed up for it intentionally in 2020 and flip through it still every single time I get it and it is as engaging as it was for me as a kid god. to just like it really does unlock part of my imagination that I just absolutely like there's so few opportunities to do that as an adult And it just completely transports me every single time I look at it. I love it. Absolutely. Even though not everything is the same Mm -hmm. as like when we were kids. And when Lindsay and I were in the store, we found like, we felt similar about like the store as we did about like the new catalog, which is like, there's a lot that's different, but there's also a lot that's the same. And it's really tugs at your heartstrings in ways that like you don't imagine possible when you like see these like relics of your childhood preserved so beautifully or like still Mm -hmm. featured in the catalog being you know prominent to this day like they they kind of have like this lasting I don't know evergreen appeal even if they have made some small changes but we should definitely take you guys to the store maybe for one of your birthdays or something oh my god yes yeah, I would love that I think <laughs> to the enduring legacy of American Girl that it's not just nostalgia I think you know there's been a resurgence in popularity of American Girl as people who grew up with them are now you know approaching their late 20s to mid 30s roughly ha- focusing on that and thinking about that but the fact that they're still engaging to young kids to this day and are still interesting where I'm still interested in the new stuff. It's not my favorite stuff because obviously I do have that nostalgia, but it's still interesting to me. And I think that speaks right. to how high quality they are in every aspect that they can start something new and it's still engaging. Mm-hmm. Totally. Was there anything that you guys found in the catalog that you really wanted to have for your dolls and didn't or even to today like as you've been perusing the catalog is there anything that you felt like oh my god if this had been around when I was a kid I would have been all over that I haven't looked recently at the catalog I'm very inspired now to do so I think I should totally do that what was yours 
Um, two things. One was growing up, I was obsessed with the little doll hospital that you oh can my send God. them away. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> come back so nice and clean yeah. and with a little hospital bracelet. So cute. And if they like reattached an arm, they'd come with a cast. I wanted I wanted a cast or like a sling for my doll so badly. Mm-hmm. But the newer ones, I think the little wheelchairs and like hearing aids, like I think it's so sweet that they Aww. have, they, yeah, they have like accessibility accessories so that like, I love the same that. Girls can like have a girl that also has like the same accessibility tools that she has. It's so cute. I, but I think the little wheelchair is like so cute. I loved it. Yeah, it's really cute. I yeah. love that. Definitely. It's great to see how the company evolved into further representing young girls, especially at a young age. It's so crucial to see Mm -hmm. yourself. And it's really amazing to see all of the um, create your own dolls, like with various um, accessories or different hair types or without hair, even different skin tones. It's really great to see the evolution and progress that the company has made over the years. Yeah, and the fact that they were still pretty progressive, like so early on, mm-hmm. honestly, definitely the way that my mom didn't really have a connection to her Mexican heritage because my grandfather was incredibly private and, you know, assimilated and really kind of kept that from her. A lot of learning about my own heritage came from American Girl, like a lot of understanding what Mexicans in the Southwest were going through in a time where like our great grandparents were living there came from Josefina's books. So I think that's super cool that I had that opportunity growing up in the early 2000s where that was not really like a focus for many different brands across media. Yeah. On like a completely different vibe. Did you guys have that book of, um, and it was like the three girls with the shower on the front and they would tell you about their bodies. The care oh, and yeah. keeping of you. The care and keeping of you. Yes. <laughs> Who didn't have it? I, that was just so formative for me, especially like growing up as a kid in Catholic school, you know, you didn't talk about sexuality or bodies at all until like maybe fifth grade. And even then that was just about your period. So like, it was just, I remember us all passing that book around and having conversations about it and like going to your friend's house and like reading that. And I feel like that very heavily influenced how I view sexuality now and have kind of incorporated that as something very important to me in my my career and things like that. Um, so I loved that American Girl kind of had so many facets and there was like there was the historical part the dolls that looked like you the magazine the catalog this book and I just like love that it encapsulated a lot of childhood and adolescence and they're still doing that which I think a lot of brands and companies haven't been able to do you could have just started that with being like as a sex positive icon it's true (laughs) because I do think that you are yes yes Um, I think that what is great about those books and like some of the other self-help books that they had is it almost if you didn't have a parent who was like going to talk you through some of these things and like not just like the body book but also like the one about like friends and boys or whatever that was an opportunity for many girls to like feel like no stigma behind like feelings that they were feeling because if there was a book about it and they could read that book then they can understand and know that like what they're feeling isn't like wrong or incorrect so I think that it's really great that American Girl 
did that for all of us. And I think that they're still developing and like updating all those books today. They're relevant as ever. I'm personally so glad that I had them. Mm-hmm. I love that. Definitely. All right. So Lucy, you just touched upon so many different aspects of the American girl universe, but there is one that we had, um, shared in the intro that we need to discuss. (laughs) You both participated in an American girl fashion show, and we want to hear every single detail from learning about this show happening to walking on that runway. Please tell us everything. You are our very first guest to have done this. We've heard the the myths of this happening before. Our our listeners need to know. I don't know how we got involved. Oh, someone some like friend of a friend for sure who found out that the local Ronald Mc, Ronald McDonald House mm-hmm. had organized I don't know with whom an American girl fashion show. All I know is that someone had provided these American girl clothes and dolls. And there was an open casting call for Delaware children. It was like <laughs> very <laughs> screaming. <laughs> like professional. It was so professional. <laughs> like we had badges. There were like security checkpoints that you had to go through. Like that only the models could go in this area. Like it was, it was very, very thorough. We had green rooms and like the casting call was like, it was like a go It was like a mm-hmm. mass go but for children, no, no experience needed. And the concept was basically like, there would be this fashion show. And I think it accompanied, I think there was a luncheon aspect to it. And I think you would purchase, or there was auction. It was charity. Yeah. It was purchasing whatever the, the stuff from the catalog, the dolls, like there were other auction items and they would auction them off for the Ronald McDonald house. So all of the proceeds went to the Ronald McDonald house of Delaware. How old were you for a little background? 2004. Mm -hmm. How old were you? I I was 11. Okay. 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 So I was was eight. eight. (laughs) Okay. And was the fashion show casting prior to the show itself like were there like days or weeks in between it wasn't like the same day we rehearsed it was like a very thorough (laughs) process I remember I don't know where it was but there was a huge room I think it was like it was some sort of like convention center type I thought it was up at the hospital oh it was I thought it was up at the hospital could have been maybe it was just near it anyway there was like a huge room I think it was I think you are right it was like a hotel convention center room And I remember you all got numbers Mm -hmm. and then they had basically people sitting at different folding tables and they'd call your number and you'd go up and they would take a headshot of you and like ask you questions about like why you wanted to do it, why you were interested in in American Girl, if you had any dolls, did you have any modeling experience? It wasn't necessary, but did you have any? And then you would walk. And so they would like be like, okay, they would like take your measurements and everything to make sure you'd fit the clothes. And then you walked like up and down, like next to the table. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, okay, great. We'll, we'll get back to you basically. <gasps> like, I don't know. I never modeled before or since. Like, this is Wow. I have so many questions. One of them is how many girls were there that day and how many made it to the end? Mm. There were a ton. I have, was huge. I have memories of hundreds. Yeah. Like, like a huge, <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether we were just kids, but I have memories yeah. of auditioning, like hundreds of girls. A line wow. around. Were you nervous? Yes. I was. 
I think I was slightly less nervous because this was around the time we also auditioned for the Lord of the Rings musical. <laughs> My mom <laughs> signed us up for like these very weird events that would be happening in Delaware. Yeah, it, and was, it was The Hobbit, the musical. That's right. We had a very bad audition in which we discovered that other people had been to a dance workshop that we had not been to. Yeah, we so came we... to the callbacks without doing an audition. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> All this to say that by the time you're d- standing with a bunch of other 11-year-olds who all know a Hobbit dance, and you don't know a Hobbit dance, <laughs> why is a room full of <laughs> so we had, we had some pre-trauma before going to this audition. It's not as much of a big deal when you've already been through the worst social experience of your oh life. Oh my god. Before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so very nerve-wracking. We still remember the song. Oh, I could sing it to this Absolutely. day. Absolutely. <laughs> um, wow. So I do remember like that being worse and we were both familiar with auditioning for like community theater theater stuff so I don't think the like what would make me feel insane now is like an adult measuring me I would be like why what like I understand (laughs) the logistics of like they need they have these clothes they have to make sure you fit them right I don't think I even processed that that was something that should make me nervous at the time. Now I'm like, oh my God, like, no. (laughs) Right. Honestly. Yeah. But it didn't even phase me. I was just like, well, yeah, I have to wear the clothes. It's fine. Right. Did you, did you find out that day that you were accepted or did you get a call afterwards? What was that like? It was after. We got a call afterwards. I think they called our mom. Yeah. Um, Because my mom was the one who told us that we were in it. Yeah. Oh my wow. God. Did you freak out? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so they told, they cast us as specific people. <laughs> so I did get to be Josefina, which was really exciting. No. What yeah. a dream. Um, oh my God. To be clear for all those who can't see me. I don't look like Josefina. No. She looks um, very white. Amalia does. I do. I have pale skin. I have light blue eyes. I do have very similar hair. I have very long, dark hair, which I did as a child as well. Did they um, ask you your preference of who you would want to be? I think so. And I think I did explain like, again, I mean, I, they wanted to be culturally sensitive. So I think they were like, oh, she is also Mexican. So like, well, I think they prioritized like me being like, yeah, no, I have this like significant emotional tie. And like, granted, yes, I'm a quarter Mexican, but I do think that they were like, okay, great. She fits it, whatever. And also we can like back it up that we have this connection there. So I did get to be Josefina and you got to do a historical doll outfit. And then I had a modern doll and then you were Biddy Baby, right? <laughs> yes. What? So, so I was <laughs> and for context, I was 42 pounds until I was like nine years old. <laughs> I was just so small in stature, in frame, in all of it, except I had this like short, puffy hair. And so I was too little to be an American Girl doll. So they had part of the show was bitty babies. And so my measurements fit more of a bitty baby. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm still going to be a part of the show. It'll be so fun until my outfit was just a nightgown. I did not get any of the cool, like, pampering, doing my hair, like, getting a cute outfit. So I was a little bit bitter. 
but it still was a very cool experience to like model. This and is the one time in my life I got to beat out Lucy. Yeah. Is basically wow. the, like, and it went to my head and I felt incredible. Like I was like, is this what she feels every day? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, Revenge yeah, for the butterfly. Basically there were definitely rehearsals because I remember they mm-hmm. taught us how to walk down the runway. And so when you had to like hold the doll a certain way, oh yeah, be walking with the doll. You walked with the doll in the matching outfit. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, Wait, Amalia, what outfit were you wearing? A post. I was wearing her her everyday outfit, and my dad did find a picture. I will make sure you guys have it. Wow. Yeah. So I have an incredible outfit. It's me. Like the picture is like me and a bunch of other girls. We all don't super look like the dolls, but it's enough that you can be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what you're right. doing. Delaware. There's not, it's not, it's not the New York American girl show. For let's sure. be clear. It's Delaware. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, I have to ask also, where was Victoria in all of this? She was a little bit older, maybe like 13, 14 at this older, point. She would, have, she would have been, yeah, 13. So both older and like, I just don't think had an interest, like just really not a modeling per- like just yeah. not a like performing arts person really she has a lovely voice and she will sing but like was never really into doing that kind of like performing in public kind of thing fair enough yeah yeah unlike Lucy and I were like there's a way for attention well <laughs> fair enough so on the day of you're with all of these other girls getting ready backstage Lucy or in a nightgown as Biddy Baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did it feel like before you walked the runway? What were those emotions like? I did get two outfits, I believe. I only remember the nightgown one, but we did change. I can't remember. I'll have to see if there's pictures, but I don't remember my second outfit because I was just so deeply entrenched in the sadness of my nightgown. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was so excited. I, I loved it. I had the most fun time and they like braided my hair because I did have long hair and, and, you know, Josefina has her iconic braid. Yeah. So that was fun because it wasn't really hair and makeup. Like they weren't, I mean, they put like a little bit of makeup on us so that you could like see our faces from the runway, but they were very good at being like, these are kids. These are children. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think I had like some mascara and some blush or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but they did do my hair. And I remember feeling, thinking that felt so cool as I'm in a little row of salon chairs basically with other kids and they're like braiding my hair and I remember I had really thick hair as a kid one of them she was like you have thick hair just like Josefina and I was like this is it yeah I've peaked that's the best thing anyone's ever said to me mm-hmm. thank you wow and, yeah, it was very exciting back there I guess the closest thing I can equate it to is have you seen the movie Little Miss Sunshine Yes. Yes. So, you know, when she's getting ready for the pageant, it was not like the spray tans and like crazy moms putting a bunch of makeup on, but it was definitely that like, we're in a sort of conference roomy type thing. There's a bunch of girls. We're all just getting ready. We're so excited. Like this is the most important thing of your life. And we're just going to go have fun and we're going to walk. And then there are going to be cookies afterwards or something, you know? Yeah. And this there were, we, there, were, there weren't parents. No. It was all like the staff of this thing, I guess. Um, like, I don't really know who these staff people were. I think they maybe were with Ronald McDonald House. And I don't know. Ameri- but regardless, that They're was like really our handlers. Cool. Like, <laughs> that's what, that was what was cool to me is that it wasn't like a, 
if we'd been in theater before, it was like parents helping out backstage. Right. It was like, this was professional. These were people whose job it was. So that felt very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What did your friends think about this? Well, I had no friends at the time, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Um, I, what did my friends think? I think I told them I was doing it. But I didn't necessarily stress that like, oh, you have to come see it or like I'm going to be like if I was dressing up as Kit, because as I mentioned, we all loved Kit, um, I would be like, absolutely front row seats, like come get them. But I was just like, yeah, like I'm doing this American Girl fashion show with my sister. Like, I think it'll be fun. It was like weirdly exclusive too. (laughs) It was exclusive. Because it was for like rich moms who like wanted to take their kids on like, basically it was like the experience of taking them to the American Girl restaurant and cafe but like Mm. in Delaware so I don't know how we got into that yeah yeah no right so I think it was like wealthy moms who like wanted to take their kids who like also some of them were wearing their American girl outfits Mm -hmm. right um yeah and and then you know it was like for I don't know like moms who have philanthropy money like I that was the kind of the audience I I don't think a lot of our friends were part of that set yeah that's fair oh my goodness this is so interesting I know we've never we've never heard anything like this before it makes me wonder if like it happened anywhere else in the U.S. yeah right I need to know that I I should look this up yeah (laughs) well another call to action to our followers is if you're listening to this and you were in an American Girl fashion show please email us or DM us on Instagram because we need to know (laughs) truly all right so we love to end each podcast episode hearing from our guests on what lasting impression american girl left on them so really looking forward to hearing both of your responses on this who wants to go first as always you may go first i'm trying (laughs) no i am much more of like a processor it takes me a second so go for it okay um i mean like i said i think the cultural impact of the books was the most important thing to me, um, both in terms of accessing my own culture, in terms of learning about others and the historical aspect. Um, But I think it just taught me imagination in a way that I always really loved playing in an imaginary space with like creating characters. Clothes were always a really interesting way for me to play with that and still are important to me in terms of coming up with aesthetics. Um, actually in college, Laura and I became obsessed with what you we described as a royal aesthetic. Um, <laughs> yes. the CW's reign. And so we like, in a very American girl-esque way, went like shopping at thrift stores to like find things that were like bedazzled or beaded. And it was like kind of like boho royal chic. Yes. And, um, I think is very evocative of the same kind of feeling I had looking at American Girl growing up of like wanting to embody a time period or a specific aesthetic so much in a very creative and almost costumey, but like really still authentic way. And that really right. had an impact on me. Hmm. I think, I don't know, I had such an interesting kind of experience with the time of American Girl where it was just introducing those girls of today and because of my personality and wanting to be like a lot of my peers I think 
it was a very individualistic experience for me and humbling in a sense where it gave me kind of a sense of identity of what it meant to be a girl, for lack of a better word, and reading the catalog. And like, I mentioned this in my survey, I would play the games online, like really integrating all of these aspects of American Girl into me as I was trying to reject my own identity, it slowly like built it up um, without me knowing that. And I think looking back, I can really see how important and formative it was for me, even though I didn't necessarily I wouldn't say like I was a huge fan of American Girl growing up but now I'm like yeah I was I really was so I <laughs> it just seeps right in yeah. Yeah, yeah you were like a I'm not like other girls and an American Girl kind of were like you are like other girls and that's great exactly and I, yeah <laughs> they were like girls are awesome and special and here's why yeah I think it taught you from an outside perspective if mm-hmm. I may I think it taught you that being like other girls was a very cool and empowering thing Mm-hmm. And that every girl, because they are so special and are so unique, that that didn't make you boring or like not be able to stand out. I think as the youngest, you were always really concerned about like standing out, yep. both because Victoria is really smart and because I have a huge personality and always have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, I think American Girl helped you like find your own niche. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And the seeds of feminism, I think, were, were planted at a young age from them. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, totally. I think you guys both answered beautifully, but definitely think that for a lot of us, like our first interaction with feminism from a young age was through the American Girl stories, 100%. Absolutely. It really gave girls and women a voice in history, too. Like you read so much of history is so male-centric that you know, where, where are the women, where are the girls in all of this? And that really was something that always stuck out to me. Oh, Lindsay, that's so beautiful. (laughs) It was my first exposure to racism too, because I was Mm -hmm. so young. Like I wasn't even in school yet when I started looking at the catalogs or like absorbing this information. And so seeing Addie was like the first time I, I legitimately had heard of slavery as a concept because I was so young. Right. Um, especially because Victoria had a doll first and then the cat so the catalogs were coming before I even got one so mm-hmm. that was probably four yeah like three or four um and haven't like been out into the world like <laughs> I was still like at home I'd even go to preschool my mom preschooled us so like really an insular experience and so yeah American Girl was like a window into so many other ways of life and social issues including racism including um all of the social issues about Josefina about yeah I just like Mm -hmm. I I think it was a real exposure moment for me who'd lived I mean in my great four years of life uh, (laughs) a pretty insular existence yeah sure no that makes so much sense it's a it's a great opportunity to expand your horizons without necessarily having to go through trauma if you will like you can be educated through like reading stories about some of the struggles these girls have had to go through and like to Lindsay's point like history is so male-centric so it's hard to imagine like where do the women and girls fit in and all this and I think you can still read about like difficulties that they've gone through and respect them and acknowledge them and also apply them to like things that go on in your life too as just like a regular young girl living in modern times and I've always loved that about American girl culture. Totally. Absolutely. Well, ladies, 
We've come to the end of our questions, but we do have one more activity for you. And it's a little celebrity game. I'm so excited. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is you guys each gave me a list of your favorite celebrities. I've chosen one for each of you from those lists. I'm going to name the celebrity and you are going to tell me which doll you think they would have. So Lucy, we're going to start with you. Which doll do you think Alana Glazer would have? Okay. I pulled up a list because I needed, I needed to see them all. (laughs) I, who wow. Okay. No, I think she would have Molly and I think she would be a huge defender of Molly because at least when I was growing up, Molly was not cute. Her hair wasn't cute. She had the little glass. I know. No she one- looks like me. Everyone said she looks like me. <laughs> I, <what> I, said. <laughs> I have glasses. Yeah. No, I have glasses too eventually, but Molly was like not a cute doll for my age group growing up. And I think so upsetting. It, it truly is for you. And that's kind of a glimpse into our childhood. We had the same name and every, everyone was always like, you look just like her. Yeah. And you were like, she's the ugly one. Yeah. Molly, I hate to break it to you, but Lucy's not the only one who has felt this way about Molly. And even Lindsay's <laughs> own mother tried to get her to be interested in Molly and she rejected her. Yeah. The yeah. Cute hair. As a child with glasses, I was still not into Molly. No, me neither. I was just like, who is this? But I think that Alana would really deeply tap into the rejection that Molly had and like take that for her own and be like, no, no, no. Here's why Molly is the fucking coolest. And you will all listen and understand. And I think we would. And they both have lesbian energy despite but despite not being lesbian. Yeah. And I think that's something they share in common. Absolutely true. Oh my God. That's an amazing answer. Well, Amalia, I'm going to pivot to you now. Andrew Garfield, which doll do you think he would have? (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. Andrew Garfield would have, I'm trying to think of like the most sensitive one now because he'd have the most sensitive one. And I think it might be Kaya. Ooh, yes. Um, Yes. Another one of my faves who came along just a little bit too late for us to like get her. Mm -hmm. Um, Kaya was like headstrong and um, like really brave and also just like really kind. And I think that Andrew Garfield would be really touched by her story. And I don't know. I, I thought Kaya was so cool. And I she think, was so I think, cool. I think Andrew Garfield would really respond to the tenderness of her story and her personality because he is like that. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and Kaya had some amazing fits, and so does Andrew Garfield. That's true. true. Both style icons. She she did the braids better than Molly did. She did. Sorry to say. The best braids. I'm just saying. (laughs) There were were American girls with braids. Josefina, Kaya, icons. Molly looked fine. (laughs) I can't believe that you guys are homophobic. It's homophobic not to like Molly. I love I'm taking that. Now. That can be my pull quote from the, this podcast is it's homophobic not to like Molly. Quote me on it. <laughs> title, title of episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my, my God. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amalia and Lucy. Please let everyone know where they could find you after this. They can find me 
somewhere on the internet. I have a private Twitter and it's private for a reason. <laughs> like with my social okay, media. But actually, I realize I have other way many other things. You can find me specifically on Spotify. As Lindsay mentioned, I released an album of songs about Vincent Van Gogh last year, or as my seven-year-old self would say, Vincent Van Gogh, mm-hmm. um, called The Last Man to Paint with Purple People. So it's Purple People and Amalia, The Last Man to Paint, and that's streaming everywhere. Incredible. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is just my name, Lucy Vavala. Um, I am also on Twitter if you want to delve into that. My handle will give you kind of a glimpse into what content you're going to see. So I am at breakfast slut. (laughs) (laughs) She's a slut for breakfast. breakfast. She really really is. Yeah. Yep. I love it. it. That is incredible. (laughs) Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation and filling us all in on the AG fashion show world that we had no insight into. <laughs> Thank you guys. This was so wonderful. I was very, I will say I was very nervous because I was like, what do I have to say? Um, but it was super fun. And thanks for doing this podcast. Really reminded me how much I love the AG universe. And I think I'm going to get the catalog again. Yes. Oh my God. Yay. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.